Loving Liberty Network is excited to present Ask an Immigrant, a weekly radio show by Lydia Wallace Nuttall and immigrants from all over the world who share their personal stories as to why they came to America. Lydia is the author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution, and an executive board member for We the Kids, with the mission to put God back into America's history and to inspire kids to value liberty and our United States Constitution and to be proud to be Americans. Welcome, everyone, to Ask an Immigrant. We're dedicated to helping us and our rising generation to value, have gratitude for, and appreciate what we have here in America, this great, awesome, wonderful country of ours. I am proud to be an American, and you can be too. I'm Lydia Nuttall, and today we invite you to listen to Genesette. Genesette, welcome to Ask an Immigrant. Thank you so much for this invitation. I'm so uh, happy to be here with you. Well, we're excited to have you. I'm so excited to hear your story and have you share it with, with everyone. So will you tell us first, what country did you come from? I was born in Cuba. Um, and uh, I, of course, Cuba has been a communist country for 63 years now. So wow. I was born in a totalitarian regime, in a slave country, and oh. uh, that was uh, what I, you know, uh, experienced uh, during my childhood. So you say uh, it was like a slave country, but probably yeah. not like a slave country. It was a slave country. I thought slavery was eradicated, but not so. No, because uh, in Cuba there is a this communist regime is a one-party system and uh, everything is controlled. It's totalitarian because everything, every aspect of, of the life of the, of the individual is controlled by the system. Uh, this means, um, you know, education, um, media, um, civic or civil organizations, organizations of the so civil society. Um, the jobs of the people, economy is controlled by the state, and uh, everything is, is, you know, the narrative of the country has been uh, kidnapped by this uh, communist system. Wow, that's pretty a powerful statement. The narrative of the country has been kidnapped by this political system. Oh, wow. Okay, so with all with that in mind, this is a very powerful way to start uh, today, this the story of yours that you're about to share. So you were born into that totalitarian system form of government. And so how if you're born into that, how do you know? that it's wrong or that something is off if you're born into it? Yes, it's, it's difficult, right? Um, I think two, two elements uh, contribute to, to my um, uh, experience. Uh, first, um, I think that human beings have a intuitive way to to want to be free, to perceive freedom. 
so when you're living in a country like that, you have kind of an intuition that there must be another life, another way of, of living. This is not okay. So that's that's one thing. The other thing, and it was very important in my in my life, was my my dad, my family. I I, I grew up with a family of musicians, artists, and uh, that sensibility that and and my 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 parents they didn't like communism. They in fact uh, were uh, teenagers when communism came to Cuba. So they lost friends that were executed in, in, in firing squads. They they experienced, you know, terrible things. Imagine being like a 15 years old or a 19 years old, and all your plans, all your for the for the future are destroyed by mm-hmm. by uh, uh, by this revolution, by this system. So my parents survived. Um, that process, um, and and then in my house, uh, we were free. They created a free space in my house, and uh, when I was ten years old, my my dad um, told me, he's, uh, he 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 told me we are not free. That was the first time he would talk to me about freedom. Uh, we're not free. I knew I knew that. Uh, in my house, we, we talk about things that at school I couldn't talk, and I knew that because if I will talk about those things at school, my dad could go to jail. So, so he told me we're not free, and my uh, duty is for you and your sister to be free one day. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I want you to be free um, and to choose the 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 life you want to live, and, and we are not free here in this country. So he told me that from that day on, we will be listening to this radio broadcasting. Um, it was a um, shortwave radio he has hidden in the closet of, of his uh, room, and we will. I, I will sit there uh, every every afternoon to listen to the Voice of America or uh, radio, radio uh, Free Europe, and uh, just listening, listening to the uh, information, the interviews, and that was the first time I opened up my eyes uh, to, you know, reality, that there were political prisoners in Cuba that the same, uh, you know, way uh, they were fighting for freedom inside the island, and I didn't know, and the majority of people didn't know that was happening. In Europe, there was a fight for freedom as well, um, and the movement like Solidarity in Poland or, or Charter 77 in Czech Republic existed and they were fighting for to free the country and that was in the 80s. Um, so that was the first time I was uh, in contact with that kind of information and, and that kind of thought and, uh, and that was the beginning of my fight for freedom. Wow. So two questions from that. The first that I have is why did you have a government that was destroying its own citizens? And then the second is 
why did your father have to hide that radio in his closet? I think I know what the answer is, but I'd love to hear your answer for everyone else. Well, uh, in Cuba, Cuba was a, a, a republic, and uh, it was not a perfect country, but it was a growing economy, um, very powerful social uh, civil society. Um, it was one of the best countries in Latin America uh, in the in the fifties. Um, then um, a military dictator came to power, break uh, the constitutional uh, the constitution, and uh, got to power. And his name was Fulgencio Batista. The whole country reacted against that. Um, that broke our constitution. And, and everything, all the laws, and impose a, a dictatorship. Then um, many groups in the society uh, began to fight in that dictatorship, uh, and then uh, everything failed. All the efforts to recover uh, democracy in Cuba failed, um, and then Fidel Castro was a, uh, a young uh guy that organized a guerrilla went to the mountains in the west in the eastern part of Cuba and he succeeded uh not because he was a, a great fighter or, or anything that not because the Cuban people didn't want Batista and also because Batista's regime was corrupted and and uh, tired of fighting so finally they um he left the country, Batista, and then uh, it came uh, Castro. Castro's um, uh, promise was to establish the constitution and to establish uh, the freedoms of the country. That didn't happen. What he did was uh, to, to destroy all the institutions and to impose a communist uh, regime Cuba was not a communist-leaning uh, uh, society. The majority of the people repudiated uh, the ideas of communism. But little by little, he imposed that system uh, with repression, uh, confiscating properties, confiscating media uh, outlets, and uh, kidnapping our narrative, as I said before. So that's why we were, I was born in a, in a totalitarian regime. Uh, it was not because Cuban people wanted to have that kind of system, but because Fidel Castro lied to our people and imposed through violence this system. So my dad has to hide the, the, the radio because we were not allowed to listen to that broadcasting. We were not allowed to listen to anything that was not... Uh, approved by the uh, Cuban Communist Party. So those were clandestine um, radio. My dad has uh, uh, created this this antenna, uh, homemade antenna, so he could get the signal and we can listen to what was happening in, re in reality in the world and even in Cuba because we didn't have access to the truth. We didn't have, uh, have access to... Uh, reality and the, the facts and what was going on. Everything was uh, controlled and is still controlled by the government. Wow. Well, 
my first reaction is what a tragedy for the Cuban people. I love how you actually fought against the first leader who was uh, curtailing majorly your, your liberty. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that it failed and that uh, Fidel Castro then deceived your countrymen yeah. by telling them, I guess, what he thought they wanted to hear <laughs> so he could yeah. have their initial support. Yeah. Am I on the right track? Yes. And then once he's in office, then he totally tramples all over you as a people and takes control of everything. So in essence, you have as a people, no freedom of choice, uh, no private property. Tell me, okay, tell me, I'm going to ask you the question, but then I'm going to ask you a question before that, that I think I want answered first. <laughs> I'm just trying to do this so you can help me stay on track with my thoughts. So tell me um, first, what, I guess I just want to make the comment. Your dad was incredible and, and no doubt your mother as well for your dad to figure out how to make an antenna and keep you as children connected to the outside world so that your eyes would be open to what truth is, or at least yeah. another side of the story. Cause then you can at least choose what you wanted to believe. Um, th that whole process was phenomenal that he would be able to do that for you. Um, mm -hmm. do you have siblings? I have a sister. Yes. We, we, we could say that my dad was a free spirit. He was a person that was always constantly looking for uh, the truth, and uh, and he believed in freedom, and uh, that's why he did everything for us, for my sister and myself. Uh, every day of my life, I thank God for you know being in this country and being free, and I thank my dad because he was he, he had the vision to yeah. do everything for us. Wow. So it's a very powerful story to me that that uh, uh, the power of parents to teach. And my mom too. My mom as yeah. well. <laughs> yes. Of course. Yes. So there's power in parents teaching truth to their kids, Absolutely. at least within the walls of their own home, where yeah. we can choose to still be at least free in our own home. Um, the I family. Think it's a... I, th I think the family has a, an important role and a key role. In, yeah. in in the in a in a in a human being life, and uh, if we keep the values in in the family, if if we keep the the dream in the family, uh, the faith, um, that's very powerful because even if society is 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 being uh, destroyed, you can keep that. If that is your personal. Uh, I don't know. It's your personal uh, uh, way to be safe from from whatever is happening outside. So my home was a free space. My my dad and my mom they created that free space in our home. Even though in Cuba you have neighbors that are uh, they're, they're you know they are there to 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 look at you and if you. Who enters your home, your home? What is what you say? Whatever when you're meeting your neighbors, there's uh, 
this system of neighbors' uh, um, um, control uh, of neighborhoods. Uh, so even though we have one of those uh, in our building, in the building where we live, uh, we, we live in an apartment in, in, in Cuba, and uh, and she was living, I think it was in the same floor we, we were living. She was always knocking at our door, looking at us and everything. Wow. Uh, but we had a free space, and, and we felt that. I, I think that my dad and my mom, we, we were... Uh, we, we grew up with this, I don't know, uh, this feeling of internal freedom. Mm, I love Self that. Self-awareness. In, internal freedom. Oh, I love that. Wow. Okay, so in essence, it didn't matter what was going on around you, outside your home, how catastrophic it was to liberty, where you had to in essence, walk on eggshells uh, or be threatened with your life, have your life be taken by the, your government, um, you could still have that internal freedom within your home and within your own soul. Exactly. That is beautiful. Um, it's creepy to me to hear how the government was structured so that it in, in what I would assume incentivized uh, the Cuban people to watch each other and rat on each other and turn each other in. And uh, wow, I, that's just, there's no trust. You can't even trust your there's neighbor. No you, you don't know. Well, you know, that's if it's the main that, thing. Uh, wow, they don't want people to trust each other, and that's the main thing they try to do. Uh, it's a psychological weapon against uh, individuals and against society. I remember that when I was in, in seventh grade, um, my, um, my aunt and my grandmother they went to Venezuela as, as exiles, and we were in Cuba. And it was very difficult to to connect with them and to to write letters to them because it, there was no um, even no diplomatic relations in, between Cuba and Venezuela at that time. But uh, I I received uh, sometimes letters from my I love my grandma. My grandmother was such an incredible human being, and I grew up with her. Uh, and 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 then. Um, one day, uh, this person that our neighbor came to our home, I don't know how she did it, but she took one of the letters uh, that I have received from my grandma in Venezuela. It was like, a, you know, uh, how are you, whatever. It didn't say anything political or anything at all, but it was, it was a letter from her. And she took that and she gave it to the state security agents took that letter to the school and uh, I was summoned um, uh, to to the uh, director's office and they and there was a huge amount of people and they said that I was I had communications with um, people outside Cuba that were uh, enemies of the revolution 
Mm. And that was a mistake I was making, and I was they were not going to tolerate that kind of communication. So I told them, "This is my grandmother. This is my grandma. I I, I won't I won't you know I won't say uh, I I won't I I want to write to her. I, I I want to receive letters from her. She is my blood, and I'm not going to stop writing to her. And that caused." Uh, a problem in my school. So I'm giving you this example so you know the kind of control this kind of systems, a totalitarian system, uh, exercise against the citizens. And uh, that was, I think, one of the first encounters I have with these people. Um, when I say these people, it's a repressive uh, machinery that exists in Cuba. <laughs> just dumbfounded. So what, two, two questions. And one is what kind of things did they teach you then in school? And the second question is how did your grandmother and who, who, who else escaped with her to Venezuela? Um, so my, um, my uncle uh, was a political prisoner. He he was um, he was in prison for ten years. He was sixteen years old when he was uh, captured, and he was condemned to thirty years in prison. Oh, you're kidding! Um, that was so young. He was he was not killed by uh, firing squads because he was a mariner. He was like sixteen, so he spent ten years in prison. Uh, finally, uh, the family got the opportunity to, you know, for him to, to have a conditional freedom. Um, and, uh, and, and he was 26 when he, he uh, came out of prison. Then uh, Venezuelan government opened up during that time, uh, the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, began this process of uh, giving um, visas uh, to former political prisoners and their families, because once they get out of prison, they were it was uh, they were unable to work or to study or to do anything. They nobody wants to you know yeah. to to have them in their in their you know in the jobs or whatever. So it was very difficult for a former political prisoner to survive in Cuba. Um, you know, he has to work in many, many things, different things. And uh, unfortunately, four years after he was uh, released, he died in an accident. So my my cousin was four years old at that moment. And uh, my aunt and my cousin um, were, you know, contacted these people in Venezuela so they could leave the country as, the widow and the daughter of a former political prisoner. That's the, the way my aunt left Cuba to Venezuela. And then after a year, uh, my grandmother uh, did the same through the same process. And uh, four years later, my family and I uh, went to Venezuela uh, as a family of a former political prisoner, my uncle. Well, I guess then we could bless your uncle it was kind of a 
yeah. a good thing. It was a, it was a horrible was a thing. Yeah, but yeah, he was. It was key for the re- so many of you in his family to then find yeah, freedom yeah. to escape Cuba. And oh, bless him! My goodness, I. Do, what was it that they arrested him for at age sixteen and found worthy of um, killing? But because he was a minor, they didn't, and then kept him for ten years. What What was he, his crime? He was accused. He was accused to be in possession. In possession possession, I'm sorry, of a firearm, uh, but the oh. firearm, they, they, um, he, th- there were a lot of young people during that time uh, trying to uh, fight against the, the communist government, and um, but the firearm that they um, confiscated from him was a, an old firearm from uh, his uh, grandfather it was like uh, oh. an antique oh. and uh, oh they, i mean he was he was against oh. the system but they couldn't find any evidence of any any anything however they at that moment they were even killing people in the fire, firing squad by conviction and by conviction meant if we're convinced that you're guilty you're gonna be executed if you're convinced you're guilty, you're gonna go to jail, and uh, that was his situation. It was a, a big group of young people. The ones that were minors were condemned to 30 years in prison, and the ones that were no minors were killed uh, in front of firing squads. And there was no trial, no anything. Just if they I mean, found anything, trial, it was a trial, but it was a trial that didn't. It was not really a trial, you see. They were convinced that they were guilty, so everything was decided even before the trial. Mm. So no jury, no. No, nothing. (laughs) Anybody to represent you and your side, just, you're guilty, we'll just have a formal trial, just, you know. Because the lawyers were afraid. Oh, yeah. They could be killed as well. Yeah. Wow. You know, fear to, to the system, fear to the the violence and uh, of the system. Uh, everybody was, uh, you know, in fear. They, everybody was afraid of the system. And then they, they tried to survive, even lying uh, about everything. So the whole system just corrupts everything. You can't trust your neighbors, even family members, I'm assuming, too, would turn each other in. Uh, And there's a lot of deception, a lot of lies uh, that they enforce as truths. And you must believe or else you're an enemy of the state and we can confiscate everything you have. I'm assuming that's what they would do, would they? You know, confiscate your possessions, um, put you before a firing squad at most or at the very least incarcerate you for a decade or more. Um. <sighs> there have been people that have uh, been in jail for 30 years. Oh, wow. Do you imagine? Yeah, no, I really can't. I... 30, 30 years in prison, I, I met uh, Mario Chávez de Armas. He was... Uh, Part of the um, group that Castro uh, led back in the 50s against Batista, 
he he was uh, put in jail uh, together with Castro, uh, and then given amnesty, went to Mexico. Uh, he organized together with Castro the um, grandma, it's called grandma uh, boat, the grandma boat, uh, the expedition to go back to Cuba and go to the mountains. So Mario Chávez de Armas was uh, together with Castro through through all these events, but he was not a communist. So at the beginning of the revolution, and when Castro began to turn to the left and uh, say that he was a socialist, a Marxist, um, Mario Chávez said, no, I'm, I don't want to be part of this. I, I don't, I'm not a communist. And he was, uh, uh, he was condemned to 30 years in prison and he, he spent 30 years in prison. Wow. Because he would not stand for uh, Fidel Castro and his position, self-proclaimed position that he was a Marxist. Yeah. Because wow. it was, uh, it was uh, a lot. Castro lied to the, the, the people of Cuba, even to the people that fight uh, um, with him against Batista. There was a lot of anti-communism they didn't want to become uh, these young people that fight against Batista. The majority of them were not communists. So they, they, you know, as Castro declared himself, which in 1961, um, I am a Marxist at the end of that year, two years um, after the, you know, the revolution began, declared himself a Marxist, and uh, there was a lot of repression at that moment. During, during the 59, 60, and 61, there were fire squads working uh, 24-7. Oh, wow. Well, Jenna Sutt, uh-huh. I have another question to ask you, and it will uh, conclude um, this episode. I want to call it an episode because I we haven't even talked about well, how did you even, how were you even able to leave Cuba? And so I'd love to have you on again sometime in the future, uh, if you okay. agree to that. And to find out that story is has got to be incredible. Uh, but if you could share a one-minute message uh, for today's Americans, especially our American young people, what would it be? Don't take freedom for granted. Don't take freedom for granted. That's my message. Every day, every day is important to understand that uh, the freedoms you enjoy today is because other generations didn't take it for granted. So today in America, we can see, I can see as a Cuban exile, many things that are wrong and that are attempting against the freedoms, the uh, essential freedoms of people in this country. We have to fight against that. Uh, if these people that are trying to take our freedoms uh, succeed, we will lose this wonderful country. This is my home, and uh, I, I will ask you please to look for information and to fight for your rights and your freedoms. Don't take it for granted. I love that. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Jenniset, for joining us on Ask an Immigrant. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for your interview, and I hope is is I hope to meet uh, any other time to talk about this important issue. Okay, you're on. Absolutely, I'll take you up on that. <laughs> So to all of you who are listening, if you or someone you know is an immigrant to America and would like to share your story on Ask an Immigrant, you can contact me at Lydia at LovingLiberty.net. That's L-Y-D-I-A at LovingLiberty.net. Thank you for joining me and Jenna Set today. Now go forth, stand up today for liberty in your life.